0: music dance experience. Don't pervert a handbook passage to me, okay? You are listening to a Lorehounds Plus Properly Howard production. Today, Steve and I are covering episode 5 of the first season. Make sure that you check out all of the fine programming happening over at the Lorehounds, thelorehounds.com. Consider becoming a Patreon member. Without further ado, here is stand-up comic, Steve Osborne. Steve, I thought that in order to birth this episode, we should each tell a purging <laughs> secret. <laughs> do, you, do you want to tell me a secret?
1: So, I just love when, when the, the duel is walking out and... Uh... It's like oh he's he's crying over her and give him some privacy.
0: <laughs> I, that, that man, this show's so weird. This show is. Yeah. This is one of the weirdest episodes. Yeah, uh, I mean,
1: it's amazing how, like, I think we've talked about this before. It's just like, like, okay, here, here's some answers or some breadcrumbs, and here's a wh- whole lot more questions. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot to say about the birthing retreat. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It just... The... Rickon continues to tickle me to no end. Yeah, no no doubt. <laughs> the The parallel with him kind of processing the wound of the lost advanced copy of his book at the same time. His wife right. is having a contraction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just I just thought that was so wonderful. Have we talked about the opening sequence for this show?
1: Um no, no, I don't think we have the the Cuz I know
0: you're an opening sequence guy.
1: I am an opening sequence guy.
0: I think it's playing with this uncanny valley problem. Are you familiar with this? No. Oh, okay. All right. The uncanny valley is sort of it encompasses a lot of different perceptual problems and it it gets used most often for robots so mm. if a robot looks like you know a tin can you're not threatened by it or if it looks like commander data you're not threatened by it
1: mm, okay. but
0: there's this weird cusp where it looks a little bit like Tom Hanks in Polar Express
1: Gotcha, yeah.
0: And it's mostly with the eyes. People have found if if the robot does not look fully human, it will freak you out, mm. and people will feel repulsion to it. And of course, this, of course, ha- like I just mentioned, has problems with animation and whatnot. And a lot of research done on where where the repulsion level is. And I kind of feel like the animation in this opening sequence is playing with Uncanny Valley a little bit. Okay.
1: Yeah, I could work with that.
0: I think it's purposely done, given the tone of the show. I think it's purposely done in order to kind of draw that sense of, like, this doesn't feel quite right.
1: Right. That that makes a lot of
0: sense. So I guess here's the question. When you watch it, do you feel like, how do you feel about it? feel any kind of ickiness when you're watching it
1: yeah it's unsettling i mean the music does a lot for that and i think it's the uh it's the movements you know it's like because it feels it's the idea that i know that they could make this look more real (laughs) and they're opting not to so they have found like they found this this line where it's like well that looks a lot like our, you know, computer rendering of Adam Scott, oh, man, but it also kind of looks like one of those inflatable, like uh, yeah. balloon guys at a I car say, uh, like dealership. It's,
0: it's like, it, like one percent claymation.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know? it's a little, it's just a little bit off.
1: It's wild that we we are of, of an age where uh, we've got to see the height of claymation, and we're going to see the height of computer generated uh, deep fakes and stuff.
0: I am not ready for that. I'm certainly not ready for that.
1: I'm ready for uh, just just give me like deep fakes of uh the California Raisins and I'm good.
0: <laughs> That's what you want? Yeah. Okay, this episode's called The Grim Barbarity of Optics and Design and we get the conclusion or the outcome of Helly's suicide attempt and it kind of picks up right where it left off. It's that elevator notion. And you wonder how many different things that you can do with it. It's like it's like you're seeing a Twilight Zone ep- episode where the elevator is the is sort of the hinge of the episode, and you've seen all the different ways that it can be used to freak you out. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we see the suicide attempt go wrong, and you know, Holly says later, "What I w- what I want is for her to realize that she's going to die, and I did it." Right. That's what she wants, and that's she's just she figured out how to use the elevator for that effect. And it just it's 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 baffling to me. I mean, I would have never anticipated how many uses that you could do for that elevator. And then later on, Dylan says, "You're probably drunk. <laughs> what did your mouth <laughs> taste like when you walked yeah. in?" <laughs> it's all of the possibilities of this this elevator, and. I mean it 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 really does have that Twilight Zone feeling like let's take a very simple idea, this elevator that changes your memory and let's unravel this to see how far we can take it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. We really get to see the fact they really emphasize the elevator uh experience with um Michael or uh Mark uh because we see him twice, right? We see we see him in and out and they you know it's that really subtle i'm assuming just like an aperture change Mm -hmm. on on the the camera
0: a a, a lens zoom issue or something
1: which is really something because i I love what it does is that you go he you're like he doesn't look any different but something just happened yeah and i like that and i I think that's such a a really great way to just to to get us through that moment because you're like the question is like what happens in there it's like well that happens and Nothing happens at the same time, right? Um, and it's just he he activates or deactivates, however you want to look at it. Um, and, and it's that's a really, really smart cool
0: move to only use that effect in the elevator, mm-hmm. because I feel like maybe a less experienced director might like figure out, okay, let's figure out how to use this for something else, right? Um, but it, you know, in order to tell the story that they want to tell they have to be pretty consistent with that particular camera effect.
1: Right. And I think also, too, which makes it even better is um, because we're constantly asking now, I think after this many episodes, like, well, what is real? What's the real Mm -hmm. world? Is there, uh, you know, and and so there's not an obvious way to look at them, right? Like there's not like, oh, well, when they go through this, this this part of them changes. Because it's like, oh, it's he is exactly the same as when he went in and came out. Um, you can't be looking for clues to be like, well, maybe this person is severed and or, or maybe you know maybe they're all severed because like, there's there isn't a, a clear uh, comparison.
0: So Helly's suicide attempt is stopped by Mark and Grainer. Mark leaves uh, via elevator and returns to find Cobell, blaming him for Helly's attempt. Mark sneaks Rickon's book to the bathroom and reads it. Grainer seems more concerned about marketing in the elevator than than saving Helly's life. Is, am I gathering the, the right thing from that scene?
1: That that's what I took out of it. Um it could have been an, it could have been a both situation, right? Yeah. I got to get over there, but it's like it's more of a I got to get this out of there. The less drama that that is is i think witnessed in um in lumen probably the better it helps control um their response and like and we see this you know play out and we get into the other stories that they're trying to manipulate and control the folks with you know kind of you know with rumor and 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 that and that's so right. but as soon as something but like they have to be in control so this is something that's out of their control so then it's like now now there's a a variable that they have to now deal with and that's going to be Mark's reaction to, uh, you know, a death. And Mark, of all of them, is, is the one that's the the, the most uh, sensitive in this regard because he's lost Petey as a uh, yeah. co-worker, which is a form of death to some degree without, you know, because he doesn't understand. So he's still kind of grieving that. So then to come face to face with, uh, you know, an actual loss would be. Yeah.
0: And I think that there's also a certain plausible deniability. Like a, if he forces Mark into the elevator. They can decide what story they want to tell him when he comes back down, or comes back up, or whatever. Um, they could say, "Yeah, you know, it was an attempt. She survived, and we decided to grant her resignation." Mm-hmm. And they could they could say that whether she's alive or dead,
1: right? Right, like, for sure.
0: Because at that point, they, I don't think that they know. But it it sort of allows them more mobility in in the kinds of propaganda they want to put out there. Right. Grainer is an interesting, again, it's it's the, it's the whole Cobell problem. I'm not sure what to do with Grainer because he's clearly working for her. And yet I can't really tell what Cobell's endgame is. So it's hard to know yeah, and what this, Grainer's
1: and, deal is. Yeah, like. so I, I think this is the episode where we see that Cobell is a little more rogue than we realize Yeah, so that that, this is the one I think that kind of confirms because we were asking ourselves, like, is she operating on behalf of the board? Is she operating as part of her normal Mm -hmm. function? Is she, she, you know, so it does bring up the okay. well, maybe this outer uh, Miss Selvig is maybe she's off script. Like, we're not exactly sure. And so I think this is one of those where we we know she's watching. She's uh, kind of been she's been challenged essentially twice to some degree. Right. Uh, By other People, or at least uh, the appearance of challenges, with Milchek, and she just kind of is like, "This is they don't need to know, right?" Like yeah. the board doesn't need to know. So we do. We are getting the sense that something that she's doing is is on her own.
0: Graders confirms that PD's chip was fully integrated, and I'm taking that to mean like they undid the severance, and the chip somehow tells that story, right? Right. And then he says. We should celebrate, right? And then I wonder why is integration full no- good news. If, if if full integration is good news, then why is the board denying that it's possible? So is it good news for Cobell, but not the board, or is 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 there, is there some level of um dissension? You know, is Cobell trying to like right? Use yeah, this I'm, position to work against the board in some way.
1: Yeah, that's confusing. And then it's also because it also another question I brought up in my mind was like, well, maybe the fact that it can happen is good news for everybody. Because if in case they're severed or there's some degree of severance mm-hmm. that they're dealing with, is that like, OK, we, you know, if you have any kind of um, regrets about your decision um, to know that uh, it's reversible. Mm hmm might be helpful. Or it could also be a, um, well, that's good. Then maybe he, uh, you know, maybe he, maybe they think he wasn't able to tell anybody about the severed. I don't know. It's, it's it, I mean, there's a lot of, because it, the, but it was an odd thing because you would assume that it would be like bad news. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was good news, like I said, is that good news? Just, uh, but he, so this is the other part. <laughs> it's like, so Cobell, we're like, oh, we kind of feel like maybe she's going off script. But for him to say good news to her means that she he would know what she's why that would be good news to her and he would have to be in agreement. Right. So it feels it feels like it feels like it goes higher than just her. And I guess the other
0: way you could read that is she said that he was that he had gone through a a reversal severance reversal procedure that the board said that's impossible. And now she has proof. Right. And so now I I maybe maybe it's sort of like you get to one up the board, you should celebrate, but for some reason I just don't feel like that's quite it. Right. All right. Well, anyway, I thought that was noteworthy. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah, that that that's that was my big takeaway on that was like this this is whatever's on that chip, they backed it up. So, is it not a secret?
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Physical evidence. The, the, the shift in this, right? So you go from this really, what I think is dramatically arresting, dramatically compelling storyline. I, I totally believe that Helly wants to commit suicide. I saw the attempt. I think she narrowly missed killing herself. And I'm feeling all that. And about 60 seconds later, I'm just laughing my guts out at these lines from Rick and Self-Health book. <laughs> and I'm just, th- th- this show really walks that tightrope. I mean, from, I mean, the whole thing is sort of dark comedy, but it goes from like hard sci-fi to like almost these Jack Handy lines from the book. Oh, I
1: know. Yeah, the Jack Handy oh, ones. Oh my gosh, like...
0: I had to rewind them several times just because I, I was just so tickled by them. One of them was, I was not wrong. It
1: yeah. Was, it, it was not me
0: that was wrong, but it was literature. literature itself.
1: Yeah, unbelievable.
0: Literature itself
1: was Liter- wrong. Literature was wrong. I love the uh, bull and lies as bullies. Well, and then the, the robot, bully, the metal. Bully,
0: bullies are nothing but bull and lies.
1: Yeah, and then it's like, man is, you know, man separates man from machine is man can think for himself. And machines are made of metal. And a man is made of skin.
0: <laughs> One of the ones that just got me real good was um, <laughs> a man with rotting toes cannot skip.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm thinking like, who's skipping these days? Like,
1: right. Yeah. That's the first thing. Like of all the things, like, I mean, but then you think about Rick and I'm like, Oh, I bet you, I bet you there are days where he's just like, I'm just going to (laughs) skip.
0: I was thinking like, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, you don't really think about skipping. You don't really want to skip, but once your toes start rotting, that's the thing that you miss because that's the
1: moment you're just like, well, there's another option.
0: All yeah. All those years I could have been skipping to work.
1: Well, yeah, when you realize how many opportunities you have to skip and you just, uh, and you skipped it. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it's like, this is, we talked about this uh, before too, which is the whole idea that like drivel compared to nothing is genius, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. And yet really strange, really strange. Yeah cuz it's like you want you usually want your characters to have some level of intelligence, right? Right. Especially if it's a mi- a mystery show, you want to believe that these are competent people that are trying to solve the mystery. <laughs> and well, and so it's hard, I, it's hard to think yeah. that any intelligent person would fi- find this uh Rick and Drivel interesting.
1: Well, but I think that that's uh, to me that goes back to some maybe some of the critiques on on religion and then why this is so effective is like you know i find myself you know kind of doing the eye roll anytime they refer to one of like Kier's, yeah sure. uh you know uh great platitudes or whatever it might be and it's one of those things where it's like but it's held in such regard by lumen or at least it, it's presented to be held in such high regard and irv buys into it and all that um so then you have this other thing. It's like, well, how is this any, you know, to some degree, you know, just because it it's it's a little more goofy, mm-hmm. it's it's maybe no less, you know, it, it's probably just as profound, right? I mean, it's it's, but it's presented in, in a way that uh, that where we know the source, and so we get a chance to look at it and go, oh, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. But that's sort of how a lot of these, you know, like a lot of whatever the religion or cultic cults uh, you know you know guidelines if you read them out loud and you're like, oh, come on who, who's going to buy this it's like oh, you, you get conditioned to it and one of the things too i think it's it's interesting is that the words are nonsense in many ways but it's causing a a stir in mark to be more individualistic and yeah. and that it's causes establishment right Right, so it, so it plants this seed of rebellion that Helly then immediately is is now more interested in in um, Mark's help because instead of him trying to help for the good of Lumen, there's there's a certain you know he, there's a certain counter to to this this whole approach to Lumen, and now he's he's got them. He's working on a map, and mm-hmm. and he's interested in breaking a little bit of rules and. And suddenly she's like, okay, well then now I maybe I can trust you because I can't I can't be a part of this company shill type thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, what just happened at the beginning of this episode? He gets blamed for her suicide attempt. Like, like you know, in what world is this appropriate? In what world, In what world do you think? Well, that was the right managerial response to what just happened. It really only works if this guy is completely in- institutionalized, right? Right. And I think at that moment, when they get up and leave the room, I think that there's kind of a look of resolve on his face like, all right, sort of, I see in the cracks in the system finally.
1: Yeah. And if you're reading something that's telling you to like think for yourself, industry is a problem, mm-hmm. bum, 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 bum. And then now you're like looking at that. And then now you're like, oh, wait, down, the veil has been lifted to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, And I mean, how often do people do that? And uh, I know I've done that growing up in the church is where I go, yeah, no, I can take this, you know, ancient scripture and apply it to my situation in a way that's actually more beneficial for me. And it almost justifies or at least validates my feelings, assuming that it can be overlaid like that. Right. And so you could kind of see that happening here where he's like, yeah, I too am under, you know, forget the whole metal and skin discussion that for some reason needs to be put in there. <laughs> but but you know, yeah, I could think for myself, you know, and
0: all right. Next uh next storyline here. At the birthing retreat campus, Devin breathes through contractions and Rick and deals with the loss of the advanced copy of his book. Then Mark and Rick and hang out hang the kelp. Well whilst... <laughs> that's it oh my god <laughs> Then Mark and Rick can hang the kelp while Devin gets coffee from a rich woman. Mark sits by the lake until the babies arrive. I've got a lot of feelings about this birth retreat center.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Both the, both your children in a hospital, birthed in a hospital? Yeah. All right. So both of my kids were birthed in a birthing center, mm-hmm. which is spo- you know, supposed to be more homey, you know, midwives and doulas, uh, you know.
1: Within witches, warlocks.
0: Witches, warlocks, incense, crystals.
1: Shaman. hmm yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah. Right. Um. For some reason a wiener dog. It... <laughs> there's no evidence there's no evidence that ayahuasca's bad for the fetus.
0: <laughs> none none that I've ever believed, anyway. <laughs> um so, you know, sort of a hippie-ish approach to uh, birth by one perspective, and that kind of fits with Rickon's personality, right? Right. And yet, you you know, the other way to look at it, and the way, this way that my wife and I look at it, is that the, it's the, actually the hospital setting that is a bit more unnatural, if you think about the history of birthing, right? Sure. This almost, this lodge or whatever, it almost takes the idea to an extreme, because... Where you know the birth birthing center where we were at it was like a literally a four minute drive to the hospital. Mm. so if you need the hospital, if you need you know you need a special attention, uh it's
1: available to you,
0: but this yeah
1: you're, you're she's birthing her baby on a tightrope, but there's a very good net underneath called the hospital.
0: hmm there you go. This place is out in the middle of nowhere it seems seems I don't know, maybe there's a hospital right, right around the corner. But it's almost taking this particular idea into the wilderness, right? Right. Which you could, you know, by my by the rationale that my wife and I believe, maybe that's even more natural, right? Hmm. Um. So go out into
1: the woods and have a baby. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. Come. Tail as old as time. <laughs>
0: don't, don't come back till you got a baby. <laughs>
1: um.
0: That's interesting to me. Uh, that 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 is the choice.
1: See, I think, it, and it's interesting, that we talk about the natural uh, aspect of it, returning to to more, you know, traditional and you know, maybe historically traditional. But I would suggest, and I think we see it in this particular episode, um, the irony is that it's also a reflection of privilege. That's right, right. So, so if you're in a hospital, I mean, America is a little different than than other places in, in in the world. I get it, but at the same time, you could through you know medical or uh you know even if you have a, a, a just an okay job that provides the health benefits you can you can be maybe less well-to-do but still be able to experience the hospital experience right whereas if you do want to go to a, a a a more natural birthing center. And it's even talked about in this particular episode specifically. I mean, they had to pay something. It was more modest than the other option, but it suggests that there was still a price to be paid. And so it is, it is also a reflection of of privilege as well as it is maybe a uh, prioritization of a more natural experience.
0: Mm, mm, All right. I like that a lot. I don't understand the rich woman's deal. I think right. of of all the mysteries of this show, it kind of feels like I don't see how that co- connects. I, I'm curious to see how they connect it. Yeah. That whole exchange with the rich lady and the coffee, I, I, I'm just sitting here scratching my head.
1: It's a weird one. And then also... Uh... <laughs> We've, we always see the, and we literally just saw the, the Devin-Rickin dynamic, which always makes Heather go, why? <laughs> why are they together, right? Well, I and have a theory because, about this. But she seems so, like, level-headed. and But then she goes to this, you know, it was a bold move just to ask for the coffee, right? I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, me too. So that, that, kind, of, that kind of struck me. And then 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 she's, like, reluctantly lets her in, which... I kind of feel like oh like there's something kind of off about this person, but at the same time like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I just want some just because we're pregnant oh, yeah, doesn't mean. I was gonna
0: totally yeah, like like I was thinking Devin seems like the only normal person in this whole show,
1: right? And yet and then,
0: she's like troubling a stranger through a, a lodge window for coffee.
1: Right, like, like just because oh we're pregnant, so you know maybe maybe that was what she was seeing was like hey look we're all in this together we're in the same yeah. place even though you might be in a better spot we're both going through this like this is if anyone would understand my plight it would be this person so I, that's kind of what I got but it was also a, it was a bit forward and then when she just says are you rich like like all of a sudden I'm like oh, okay maybe now I know why you and Rick could be together you there's can a kind certain of see from the other
0: this other woman's perspective it's like. I came out into the middle of nowhere to escape, mm. and yeah. now I got to deal with you, complete stranger, asking me for coffee through my window. I let you in, and you ask me if I'm rich. Like that yeah. seems that, that, so. I don't. I mean that. That's that's a little goofy. But other yeah, and that's, and that's that, what
1: I liked is that is that it gives it 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 does challenge our our grounding, Devon, as sort of the. Uh, This is the person that we can always go to Uh for like, this is the representation of normalcy. Not that you can't be a little quirky, but that was like, those are a couple of odd moves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So to me, this is kind of interesting because I think that there's a parallel between this and the, the goat room, which we meet later in the episode.
1: Sure. Okay.
0: It's almost like a swapping of settings. It's like, so you would normally associate, at least the, the Western mind would normally associate the child being born in a sterile environment, right? And goats should be out in the wilderness <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or on a farm right. or something. Yeah. And they swap it. They, all right. Now that you're birthing almost in a wilderness, lodgy setting, and these. Goats are in this weird, sterile office setting, and the guy who's feeding them is in like a three-piece suit. Right, yeah. (laughs) So it's almost you're taking these things and swapping them out, and I think that there's also an interesting thing about maybe Mark's psychosis. Like he's not ready to be totally awakened yet or birth because he experiences Devin only when she's not ready to give birth. He he only experiences her in her contractions, which are about 20 minutes apart. So she's not quite ready to give birth. And then when he walks into the goat room, the weird guy in the suit, who's using a bottle to feed these goat babies, says, they're not ready. They're not ready. Leave. So You can't take them. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I think that there's something about Mark not having dual experiences in these weird parallel tracks of his life. He's, he's kind of on the cusp. He's almost ready to be awakened. Not quite ready to be awakened yet. Something like that's going on.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I got that. I, I think that that's a good, that's a good parallel. Um, Cause there is, I mean, the when I mean, the goats super throw you off, right. I mean, I remember the first time I saw this and hearing that the, the goat, uh, bleat. Mm-hmm. You're like, I was like, is that a child? And like, you, that's when the show is like taking a creepy turn and then doing it, you know, uh, you know, you've got a whole birth experience going on. So the idea of, of, uh, you know, a baby crying is, is yeah, very that's right. appropriate. Um, and then, then there's goats and you're just like, well, wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about the goat department. And
0: so, so it's one of these, I, I think And these guys
1: and these guys cruise around, you know, they they have so we we've seen we now know that they do go get supplies. Yeah. And they will walk by the conference room. So there is other I mean, but that's a noise that obviously Mark had never heard before.
0: They've never witnessed this before. And I felt like this is the this is the weirdest thing about the show so far. And it's been a pretty weird show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Heli's suggestion is maybe we're killing goats. Maybe the goats are the numbers. We decide yeah, which right, ones right. die and which, which don't. Which, I mean, given the, the amount of explanations for what the numbers are so far, it's as plausible as anything. Right? Sure. Uh, it's more plausible than anything Dylan has suggested. For, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Alright. Mark, uh, Mark welcomes Helly back to work three days after her attempt. Miss Casey observes Helly and Irv hallucinates black goo again. Irv discovers a violent painting uh, painted to distance him from Bert. Oh, sorry. Painting planted to distance him from Bert. Cobell tells Milchick that she's trying something new with Miss Casey. So Cobell says the light of discovery lies truer on a virgin meadow than a beaten path. What did you take from that?
1: Um, it's, I, I probably, I think my initial reaction was to take it like any other, like any of the Rickon stuff to be perfectly honest, right. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just because it's, it's a little bit more, I mean, it's a little bit like, okay, you know, if you say so, um, the idea being, you know, that, uh, blank slate, right. I mean, that's kind of, so the question I had in some of that was like, well, well, for who? Right. I yeah. mean, uh. You know, because that's one of the things I think that I got into this. I'm like, well, wait, who, who are you observing? Because like we know she's observing Mark.
0: Well, this one she says she's she's trying to something new with Miss Casey. So
1: Right. So I didn't understand. My take was like, is she doing something? Is she is this a I'm doing something for Miss Casey mm-hmm. to see how she responds, or am I doing something with Miss Casey? So
0: yes, it's interesting, number one, because you would think that that Miss Casey's there because they're concerned about Helly. <laughs> in right. reality, Miss Casey is the rat in this case. She's being observed. Right, right. And Helly's almost like, eh, we got her back at her desk and we'll just deal with what happens next. So Miss Casey thinks that she's in a supervisory role, but in reality, she's the one being observed. And it's it's kind of the same thing that's happening for Mark.
1: Yeah, Mark's, and that's a whole, and she even says, right, like the idea that, like, when they think they're free.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best way to enslave someone is to make them think that they're free or something. Right. So that's interesting that that's a cure saying, right? Because I don't, I mean, is that in the handbook? (laughs) Or are there levels of the handbook? Uh, You know, is there like a, an eyes-only version of the, the handbook or something like that. So this sort of introduces the the title feature of the episode, and that is this painting titled The Grim Barbarity of Optics and Design. <laughs> yeah. So there's two different versions of this painting. One, At least two. two at least two right one intended to make o and d look bad and one intended to make uh macro data refinement look bad and it has a number like it, <laughs> it it's like a play in the handbook it's like a play in like the the, the it has a number in the playbook because milchik comes in and says or no, kobel says to milchik you ran a 266 on Curve? Right. So this is kind of like, yeah, every now and again, it's not a play we run very often, but every now and again, you have, you gotta, it's like a hail Mary or something.
1: Right. And it does suggest that there's a certain amount of independence amongst them. And when they decide when they're going to do things. Right. So like we're getting a little bit, a little bit more of a nuanced glimpse as to the dynamic of who's working for who and how much independence mm-hmm. they have. Um, and it, and now we're getting a better sense of okay, like one of the things I think we ask, like is this all part of an experiment it's like, And like at this point it's like, well, to some degree for sure, right? I mean, I mean there's there there's clearly some manipulation of a behavior and environment um to try to keep them in check and we're also seeing, okay, there's a lot more observation going on or at least the ability to observe is is there kind of like we suspected, but now we're seeing it firsthand, right we're
0: so I immediately which
1: I think bring, oh go ahead and finish. Well, I say which I start going well. Well, geez, is anything they do uh, like uh, sneaky? But do they know they have this book? Do they know about right. the map? Do they know like all of those? Questions yeah, and
0: immediately come up I'm thinking, okay, so you're you are both aware that the observer's being observed. At what point do you question whether you're being observed?
1: Sure, sure.
0: Right, because it's it, it could be that there's someone, there's a level above Milchick and Cobell, and and they're you know they're all part of the experiment too.
1: Yeah, I mean it it, it definitely becomes this. This is the one of the more complicated episodes in terms of like where it really it 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 expands and it creates I think as a viewer a certain level of paranoia too, which is like adds uh-huh. to the. uh, just sort of the overall vibe of the show.
0: I love the line um do you know how to make your eyes kind? Oh my gosh. It's and then it's the al- attempt. It's almost perfect. It's like that's that's one of the few things where like either you are kind and your eyes tell that story or you look like a crazy person because yeah, you're tr- totally. you're trying to do something that oh you've never gosh, tried this- to do before.
1: When he's opening his eyes so wide, it was just so unsettling.
0: Total crazy-eyed man. Which, which will only happen. It's only that. I mean, it's only going to happen if you make someone think about it. It's like, right? It's like here. I want you to make sure that you breathe normally from this minute to this minute, or something like that.
1: Yeah, I've done that, and I'm going like, oh my gosh, do I ever breathe? <laughs> How do, I, how do I live? How, do I... how have I done this far? Just holding my... I mean, I gotta think about it now. <laughs> uh, Mark sneaks Helly out of MDR
0: and shows her PD's map. Helly rejects the gesture and says that she wants to kill herself again. But the thought is cut short as they discover a department that houses baby goats. I mean, we talked about this already. Um, if If this show winds up when we don't know we don't figure out what the goats are for, I'm gonna be really disappointed. At this point, there's it, this isn't of my top three mysteries of the show. This
1: goat <laughs> it, and that's it's crazy how that works. Like the show has got you just inundated with like, but then what and then how and then no wonder if there's not more just the and goats,
0: then goats. It's the guy
1: Why is he in a suit? He's
0: it's a portly fellow in a suit who cares so deeply for these goats.
1: Yeah. Like, Cuz I mean there's 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 other ways like if you look in the room there's there's like trough type situations where they can get their milk but then there are some goats that need to be hand bottle fed. He's so attached and, to the
0: goats. <laughs>
1: and that one goat is very angry needed his milk. Was that the Heli goat?
0: <laughs> oh jeez. I mean I, get, I look if you're doing experiments on humans I guess it would make sense that you've already tried a few experiments on animals first. Right. So I could imagine a place like Lumen having a goat room. It's just that this goat room is so (laughs) off-putting. I mean, it'd be one thing if they would walk around the corner and there's like a barn or something. I don't know. It it was, it was, it was the setting more than anything else.
1: Well, and he's like sitting, like there's like, He's a little so a silo, and he's on like a and he's sitting on like a farmhouse model or something.
0: <laughs> what the heck is happening with this guy? All right, Dylan. Dylan traps Bert in a confession room. Bert admits to Irving and Dylan that and Dylan that he has lied about the size of O and D due to MDR being seen as untrustworthy. Dylan and Irv interrogate Bert until he tells Irv a joke. After that. They all discover an alternative violent painting. They realize that Lumen is pitting the departments against each other. Bert takes the two to O and D to O and D's back room and introduces them to his employees. Dylan seems Dylan is an interesting problem for me because he clearly has no affinity for the handbook. Like he does not believe the sacred text and he has no reverence for the tradition. He's, he's kind of only in it for the perks, right? He's in it for the finger traps.
1: Could <laughs> you imagine? I'd want to kill myself, too. <laughs> if I didn't
0: have any finger traps. My gosh. <laughs> so he's almost got no business being sort of a Lumen acolyte at all, but he believes, like, without a doubt, this story about O&D's coup or whatever. So it's almost like he... He's got a different kind of faith, or he, his faith exists on a different level, or something. Right? Like, how could you? How could you question everything, except for the worst rumor about O and D?
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. I think. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's just how some people are 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 designed. Right. Like they, because I think just you want to believe in something. Yeah. Yeah. And his world is pretty small, and. If you want to believe uh, in um, conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories sometimes are like at least th- they're comforting in some ways.
0: I think that that's probably a good analogy. The conspiracy theory—it's like so you you don't trust the government, but you trust this theory. Like you don't see the disconnect there, you know? Because you
1: believe on some level that well, this untrustworthy government is the cause of this Mm -hmm. maybe somewhat outlandish theory but it would seem logical because of this is where this is where this government situation or this company would would lead you yeah yeah but then comparatively you find out that there's the rumor that uh you know macro data refinement has pouches (laughs) that's amazing i mean this episode was such an, an amazing balance of like some of the most bonkers laughs and like absurdity with uh with genuinely upsetting Mm -hmm. activity and it's just crazy that level of like I mean just the idea that they're all being watched is like already like it becomes very bleak Mm -hmm. you know like that sort of that that realization that yeah it's kind of what we figured it would be weird if they weren't being watched but why are they being watched and to what degree and then and then That makes their absurdity seem even more childlike. They've become these baby goats to some degree. Okay,
0: all right. Let me just throw an idea at you, all right? So these paintings that they've seen depict hostility between the two departments. But we know that the paintings are designed to create hostility between the two, all right? So there's something in that propaganda that kind of points to the truth in in, in a weird way. Could the joke also point to the truth? Like, it's not a... You don't have a pouch with larva that eventually eats you and replaces you.
1: But you're but, not really who you think you
0: are. But you're not really who you think you are. And, the you know, it's not larva. It's a little chip inside your head. And it's not the larva that replaces you. It's it's a, a clone of you that replaces you or something. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something hidden in the joke here that kind of... right points to a, the larger end game of the show.
1: Right. And it could be also that uh, maybe O and D, maybe, the, maybe there is violence that occurs. Yeah. periodic, Periodically. And maybe it's sometimes it's one department, sometimes it's the other, but you get replaced.
0: Yeah. So... It's like, to what end, to what end do you want? Why do you want to create hostility? Cause clearly there's a number of outcomes that could happen. And one, one of the outcomes is violence. Because you're,
1: which means that this could have been going on for for you know who knows how long, yeah, right? Hundreds of years. And and so when they say, oh, we're gonna try something new with Miss Casey, it's like, are these the variables that you do? Because it's like, oh yeah, Helly kills yourself mm-hmm. every every five years. <laughs> I love to I, I love to think that
0: there's this cycle where every five years they introduce Rickon's book into the mix. <laughs> right and, yeah and someone takes it to the bathroom and becomes anti-establishment
1: <laughs>
0: all right uh so spoiler warning if you're not caught up on the show go ahead and sign off uh were there any kind of um spoilery details that you wanted to discuss as a well
1: uh, yes i'd like to... so seeing the um the rich pregnant woman and watching her knowing what we know uh, when, she, when they asked her like, how do you do it? And she's like, help. I, I have help. I suppose.
0: Now I don't, I forget, I forget her deal. What, what do we, what else do she's we know severed. about her? Oh, she's,
1: she's severed. severed. So she doesn't remember when she sees Devin later. So she goes and has her birth experience severed. So it seems like every time she goes okay. to that, right. to have a child, she, the severed version of her goes through the pain of childbirth. And that, that, so as far as we know, that, she only we don't know if she's severed like this is where the severance thing becomes a real question, right? Because she gets severed to go and give birth. So to our knowledge, she's only been severed thrice. But where does that happen? Where does that elevator? How does this switch flip? Uh, and can it flip anywhere? So that that's where that kind of opens up that other question. It's like, oh, whoa, OK. Right. You because she could exist
0: just, just for Lumen to create people
1: hmm right so th- it's a there's a whole fascinating thing about that and so like watching that like because I like, okay maybe she doesn't interact with anybody when she's uh going through the birth experience right so maybe that's why she's a little bit taken aback by by Devin and um and I just yeah so you see the that, that interesting clue like but she acts so weird she's like I help I suppose like she didn't really have a good answer like you would think right. that she'd be a little bit more more uh you know Potentially like, oh, yeah, your first time you get this is what, you know, expect this, expect that. She's just sort of like, this is like, that's her only function. That version of her has is, the function is to give birth. Yeah. That's huh. kind of a creepy, even creepier concept, right? Like the idea that severance can just be for like, oh, I always get severed when I go to the dentist. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that I say that out loud. <laughs> Not so bad.
0: Yeah, it's it's torture for the other you though. Who, I,
1: right? I, I, All they do <laughs> exists only to get a root canal.
0: That's that's the worst thing that wow. you could possibly do.
1: Could you imagine? <laughs> I would at least like maybe a severed version of myself for the DMV.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I think that from here on out, we only ever see Mark. Almost as a, a wrench in the system, I think from this episode on, he's trying to solve the mystery both inside and outside. All right So both both parallel versions of his life, he is trying not necessarily to take down lumen, but to figure out what lumen's doing. And it's almost like Petey was a cocoon for that uh, for that mark to kind of become a butterfly. Because we really mm. don't ever see P.D. again. Like, P.D. kind of drops out of the narrative at this point.
1: Right. Which is interesting, right? And that's and that's what the show does in the next few episodes, is it feels like a whole other season. Right. Um, and and that's one of the things that makes me, you know, uh, anxious for the next season. Because I'm like, man, I, a show like this could have easily done everything they did in season one in like two to three seasons and uh because it's 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 wild to me that this end of season one they break their severance right or at least they right
0: at least to, they have to that the degree, to
1: the degree that they do it really feels like that's something that would have happened season three mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. building up to it so 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 that sh- to me says wait is, we, is this like just the prologue for the story or is this a very limited series like I don't know like it's very um so it's fascinating it
0: makes me think that season two is either gonna be totally bonkers or it's gonna just keep wrapping the mystery with like goat rooms and things like that and I I kind of at this point I kind of hope it's bonkers all right uh Steve I got a couple reviews for severance. On Apple iTunes. Oh. And I thought I would read them to you and use them as a platform to talk about something that's usually not related to the review at all. Okay. Perfect. As is our custom. Uh, This one uh, just was published recently. Wow. Just wow. Uh, Five-star review. You nailed this podcast. Hits out of the park. The attention to detail in this podcast matches the intensity of the level of detail in the show itself. You are a person that is uh, very attentive to detail, are you not, Steve? I'd like to think so. Would you feel like this is a, a strength or a weakness or both?
1: Well, probably both. I mean, uh, I like, I, sometimes I get caught up in the details. Uh uh-huh. A little paralysis by analysis type thing. Sure, sure.
0: Now, has this created any complication in relationships for you?
1: Um, I Well, probably the biggest issue is that uh, it, it may be the details I choose. <laughs> you know, like certain things I probably should you're, be paying attention you're, to. You're
0: focusing on the, the wrong thing.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait a second.
0: Am I even looking at the right thing? I'm not. That was that was not that was not a review for our podcast.
1: I was looking at our uh, reviews and I could not find that one. Okay,
0: all right, that was.
1: Um,
0: it, was it was clearly not our podcast. Re- great,
1: great, great review. Thank you for.
0: <laughs> oh no! All right, let me go to the right podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve, we got a few Apple iTunes reviews. I thought I would sure about read that? one of them. To you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's two more than none. Okay. So this is by Waffle Party 79. It is a five-star review. Disclaimer, since I haven't actually listened to this podcast yet, I don't know if it's any good. Hmm. <laughs> but... But I appreciate the effort nonetheless.
1: <laughs> just just proud of people who have uh, recording equipment.
0: <laughs> I, I really like this one. This is the kind of person who is fundamentally optimistic.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a, a real glasses half full uh, person. So you're welcome, Waffle Party 79. I appreciate the the vote of confidence. Not not really the positive review so much, but because uh, <laughs> you can't review something that you haven't viewed. I mean, apparently apparently you can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. This is from AJ uh, Kowalski. Can't wait to hear what Steve and Anthony have to say about Severance. Great podcasters with a great dynamic. These two always have something great in store. Awesome to hear them in the same podcast as the Lorehounds. So um, thank you, AJ Kowalski. I'm assuming, again, that this person has not heard any of our episodes. Because <laughs> he says, I can't wait to hear what Steve and Anthony have to say. about It's.
1: it's it, I think we're at our best when uh, we're unexperienced. Like when people just don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it can only go downhill once they've actually heard what we have to say about anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I consider, I think, our greatest potential is our potential.
0: <laughs> we would do amazingly on the futures market. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so we got two reviews. They're, they're both by, and look, I appreciate these immensely. They're both by people who know that we have a podcast. <laughs> but I did not take the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, we do appreciate these. Uh, we will review, we will read your reviews on this podcast if you leave them for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, as you've seen, uh, prioritize leaving the review over like listening to an episode.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you think about it. I mean, it, actually, it might work better if you don't listen at all.
1: Franco the Beans.